Hello and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. This week, we're talking about Gardens of the Moon, book four, Assassins, is not what we are talking about. I I read it a second before you said it, and I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about book five, Gadrobi Hills. My name is Peter Bond. Happy birthday to you. All right, all right, all right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yes, it is my birthday, the day we are recording it. Hello. Um, Our little boy's a man, 18 years old today. Something like that. A few few numbers close. Um, (laughs) I've read each book in the... (laughs) You've really disrupted the flow. Let me give it my whole shot. You're wearing a fucking gritty pin that says eat the rich. (laughs) Of course, of course. I love gritty. Go Flyers. Go, you know, like. Holy fuck, uh, I need that pitch. Broad Street so Bullies. Bad. Anyway, my name is Peter Bond. I've read each book in the main series. However, my two co hosts have not. With me today is my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. Happy birthday, Peter. And the Jagat tyrant of this podcast, Joshua Dean Baker. I'm going to specifically not wish you a happy birthday. Oh, bold, gutsy play. Mm-hmm. That's funny. All right. If you ask me, with the introduction is already taken too long, and we should, I'm going to get straight into it, you know? I've always said the best way to get straight into it is to preface by saying you're going to get straight into it. <laughs> well, I just wanted to let everyone know I was taking the most expedient route. It takes the and least amount of time. <laughs> and it needed a quick anyway. Chapter 14. In the Gadrobi Hills, our characters near collision. Poole speaks with the adjunct Lorne about the Barrow. He believes it to be in the Jacket's Elder Warren, Amtos Philak. The Talana Mass believes he can reach it through the Talan Warren. Kruppa, Marilio, Cole all ride together with Crocus to protect him. Sorry follows them out of the city, slipping into the Warren of Shadows. Poole and Lorne find the stone marker and make camp. Lorne reflects on the Talon, human in their pursuit of conquest, and the Jaga Tyrant succumbing to the same pursuit. Perrin and Tak ride together, perhaps towards an ambush. Josh, about chapter 14, uh, I, know, I know you said you have a, a question or two. Um, is it about the Warrens, about Lorne, the Talon, what's what's on your mind, my man? Yeah, so I guess like, mm, I don't even know where to begin. So this is the this was the first chapter, because I'll tell you, we're in chapter 14, and until now, without, like, with the exception of a couple of like, this kind of confused me, I felt pretty good about this. And then the beginning of this chapter, I was like, I felt so out of my depth. Because suddenly it's like, well, there's different powers in terms of Warrens, and also they can be physical places, but maybe not physical places, and I just, also the Talana Moss, are like, I, so I guess my question is, so Tool and Lorne are talking about, like, the purpose of why they're finding the jacket, which I was like, that's a pretty common, that's a pretty important thing to talk about, and Tool's like, well, I've been told to, and... Lorne's like, by who? And he's like, well, by my people and the Empress. And he definitely implies that, like, there's, like, a, a probably a 50-50 shot that they both die and the entire world gets destroyed or some cataclysmic event happens. And so, like... Sure, sure, sure. Which, which Sounds leads, about right. Which leads me to a couple questions. A, we haven't, we haven't, like... I know we haven't seen the Empress in a while, so I'm gonna guess that we don't really have any insight into, the, into their reason why they're doing this. And B... How powerful are the Jaghut that, like, this one is, like, it seems like god tier, but maybe better than god tier? Um, can I actually tack on to that question? Sure. And then I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I can, I think I can actually, I think I have a strong answer so far, but let's see what Inge adds. Yeah, okay. So when I read it too, though, the Jaghut people seemed like a peaceful people. I th- it, or maybe I was reading it wrong. No, no, you're pretty spot on. Continue. Yeah, so they seemed like a very peaceful people. And this guy, th- there was some, I, I don't know, they enslaved, I feel like all of the Jaghut people, the Talani Mass people. Mm-hmm. Can k- kind of continue. And then this big mean tyrant guy, he like they were all a peaceful people, but he in the pursuit for power turned into a human 
or something. Pretty much. I'm loving this. Keep going. And um, he turned it, and, and that's why she's so like floored by this because she's like, oh my god, like he, I don't, because I don't know why he's such a huge tyrant. If it's like we all have, we all are that tyrant. It's it mm. what seemed to be her realization. Like we all are the worst people in the world. We all have the same pursuit. We're all destined for the same. All of us to be enslaved. Thing. Maybe not. That's what I got from it. Actually, Inge, you were, you pretty much got a lot of it. Woo! But like, let me just rejigger it a little bit what? to kind of answer Josh's question. And I think it would be best if AJ drops in a guitar lick because I think we should go to the bone zone. <laughs> so, uh, you know, thousands of years ago, right? There are the, the Jag- India, you are correct. The Jagat are a peaceful people. Whew. They're very reclusive. They don't like hang out in society. They're like individual people. Yes. And uh, the IMAS are like, we should go to war against these people because they're like kind of human-like. And that's what kind of Lauren is reflecting on and what you're talking about. They're like, oh, we should conquer people. It's such a, it's like inherent in humans or whatever. It's what Lauren posits. So that's how they kind of end up doing the ritual of Talon and becoming this undead army so they can pursue this forever war against the Jagat, right? But this tyrant is particularly bad because like what they're talking about is that he was not antisocial. He like, he decided to join the world of tyranny and like try and conquest things himself, which is a very un-Jagat like thing to do. So he like succumbed to that same pursuit. Mm -hmm. So why is he so much stronger than like anyone else though? Well, because Jagat are very strong so that's okay basically they're like a very because they're part of the these elder founding races and that's uh that's kind of to kind of speak to what josh is talking about there are some warrens that are older than other warrens right so uh the warren of the jagat isn't that the first one yes the frost riot warren Amtos Falak is like super ancient as opposed to younger Warrens like the Warren of Shadow or something. Mm-hmm. You pulled so, Amtos Falak just out of your asshole just then. I'm so impressed. It, it, I mean, it's a very, it's a very big Warren. You, sh- it's you, you should, you should get it in there. You know, really commit it. All right. Um. So, Josh, how much did that clarify? I, I that did help a bunch. I did help a bunch. I guess it's just the uh. L- Mm. I think Lorne is in this in this part of the chapter very confused, and I think I was feeling a lot of her disillusionment with like what their purpose was, and that kind of like is kind of me. It was also kind of affecting me and how I was interpreting things. I feel like she's also everybody's ha- seems to be having like a change of heart this time around. Yeah, yeah. I I really am. Fa- I, I this this read through. I suppose the first one, which I was much more confused about, obviously. I feel like I'm really following Lauren's journey more and about how, like, she's kind of having this mental... She's really falling... She's like, what are we doing? Humans are so corrupt. I thought I I was not going to like Lauren in this chapter. Like, she is slowly coming around. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm still not pro-Lauren because she's like, we should still release the dude, you know, for this... Orders are orders. Yeah. Before we move on, I, I want to at least talk about what I like about this chapter is as like it's the first time and throughout this whole section that like all of our characters kind of start to be in the same place. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I just enjoy the tension of knowing that like Sari's there, Crocus there's Tool there, Perrin's there, Top. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. all of these people are piling in. And to me, it, I just felt this growing like well, like you obviously know they're going to mix each meet up in some sort of cocktail of danger. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she's so. Um, what is her name? Lauren? Lauren? She is lethal. Which Oh, yeah. I was Lauren? like, I was not expecting her to go in there and be like, okay, you, you, you. And then and then she was like, and I'm not going to kill you because I, there's no point. I'm just a nice person and I'm not here to do that. <laughs> yeah. I, you're talking about when he they, she kind of gets in that melee, right? That's like next chapter? It's a perfect opportunity to go there, Josh. That's right. That's what I'm here for. All righty. But it's a big one. So let's buckle in. Chapter 15 Quick Ben senses Hairlock is afoot. The mad puppet ambushes both Perrin and Tok the Younger. Tok is thrown into a warren, and Perrin prepares to counterstrike. However, they both hear the howling of hounds. Lorne attacks Kruppa and allies. Lorne wounds Cole, and Marilio strikes her in return. Kruppa's magic is nullified by the adjunct's Ototero sword. Lorne rides away as Sari approaches. 
Hairlock heads towards the Hound, but his access to the Warren is cut off by Quickbent, so the Hounds of Shadow make quick work of him. The Hounds, including Gear, turn towards Perrin, but Anamander Rake descends next to him, forbidding House Shadow to intervene in the Tisty Andy's conflict with the Empire. After Anamander slays two Hounds, Shadow Throne arrives. The Ascendant says he is not meddling with the conflict, however, Cotillion is. After a discussion, Shadow Throne agrees to withdraw Cotillion and leaves with his hounds. Anamander Rake expels Opan from Perrin. However, his sword is still influenced by the Twins of Chance. In the remnants of the battlefield, Perrin laments Tak and puts his hand on the blood of the Hound of Shadow. He follows the Hound's soul into the Warren of Dragnapur. Anamander's Rake's sword is a Warren in and of itself. The souls of the slain pull a wagon by chains in internal torment. Perrin summons Opan from his blade and threatens the god to free the Hounds of Shadow from Dragnipur. Opan agrees, and Perrin has severed his connection from the god. He returns to the Gadrobi Hills, and the Hounds' corpses have gone. Kruppa and friends come to their senses after their defeat. They notice Sari on a hilltop. They go to speak to her, and she remembers nothing but being in a fishing village, next to a wax witch. Can I just say, really quickly... Jump in there. This, the water's fine. Yeah, the water is hot. So, let me say, this chapter was actually really interesting. But before we go, and I know we have to start from the beginning and go in a sequential way, but I just need to say the saddest thing of this chapter was those freaking dogs be dragging that cart and not knowing why. I wanted to cry. <laughs> it was brutal. What what was just just the kind of agony of oh it? Oh my god, it's like they were pulling the the skin around their necks was ripped. They were sad. I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god." And I don't even know why he was he had this like I should yeah, I should probably like get these dogs out of any person that was there. But I'm just so happy he did. <laughs> and you didn't mention that it's not even known for sure if he did or not, but I just I choose to believe he did. That's it. Wow. Well, a lot to jump in, and I guess I, I we could have gone in chronological order, but I guess since we're talking about... No, no, maybe we should. I just really wanted to mention that. I mean, it's a big piece of meat, so maybe we should take it one, one flank at a time. So, Josh, what did you... Uh, we, uh, we see the end of the Mad Puppet Hairlock. Was your heart just as moved as the, the puppet wizard was defeated? You know, I've always said that if Pinocchio is evil, I would have put that movie as number one for me. And so, yes, I, I was pretty devastated with Hairlock's demise. I mean, you no, really fished. You really guy. fished there. Fuck so. that guy. Are you being sarcastic? Because I was so happy. <laughs> That's being very sarcastic. Hairlock's an, Hairlock is an asshole and deserved to die. Yeah. He threw Tuck the Younger into a warren. That was, so that was so mean. That was so freaking mean. Talk to doing cartwheels through boy, the air into a warren. He better not be dead, Peter. Peter, blink twice if he's alive. And he looked away. He looked smart away. move, smart move. Okay, uh, my, poker, my, my, my poker face is unreadable. <laughs> <laughs> he has to be alive, but still, not cool. Is, I, I don't know where they're. The warren's like chaos, maybe? Who knows? Maybe Quick Ben finds them. Ah, uh, Quick Ben. Quick Ben Quick was like, so, Quick he ben was so says, ready. He says some shit, though. He's like... Uh, I didn't react fast enough to save the the Opon's pawn's friend or some bullshit. Oh. Can we just unpack something? Hit me. Quick, Ben. Shoot. I, I'm I'm confused because I thought that they were all friends, but it appears that perhaps they're not. Quick, Ben. Uh, talk. Quick, Ben's friend with Talk and um, Perrin. Well. I would say they're more allies. Ooh, can, can I, because I, you know, it's my first time reading. Am I correct in that Quick Ben never actually met Perrin while Perrin hmm. was conscious? I think I think they do meet in Pale. But I don't so. think they meet. I think they, I think he sees him, but I think Perrin's unconscious, right? Because Perrin is mm. unconscious after being killed. Attacked by the Hound of Shadow. Um, he that's, I do, that's the I first do, time I do, he comes back. I know back. what you mean, but it would be a matter of whether he met him when he initially arrived in the city. And I think that you're right, there's a chance he just met whiskey jack yeah i don't think he even met whiskey jack did he doesn't doesn't he just meet he doesn't meet whiskey jack doesn't he just meet the healer i thought he did Ballot? meet whiskey jack doesn't he mention getting back to him i like think he, he does, does, meet, he whiskey does jack. meet whiskey jack you're right you're right he does and then i think it's like walking home that he gets shanked by sorry i think you're right okay freaking sorry she's so crazy <laughs> 
but, but I would say I th- I think India. I think it's more that Quick Ben just took a chance. Like he knew that this was the best opportunity to take out. But Hairlock. how did he know? That's what I'm confused about. He wasn't well, even be- there because Haylock had not been staying in this like mortal plane of existence. He'd been hopping in and out of his warren, and it was only when he was like going to kill Perrin that he was on this plane for more than a second. So uh, when he says he cut- and, and and you'll and, and, and you'll remember, Quick Ben went into the Warren of Shadows and remember was like with Shadow Throne. He was like, "Yo." This puppet's the one, like, we got it. like, let's shank this puppet. I'll tell you whenever he comes back to the, like, mortal world. So then, like, as soon as he arrived, Quick Ben was like, yo, this is where he is, hence all the Hound of Shadows. Yeah. Correct. And I Correct. think he wants, he wants Herlock gone, because Herlock's like, like a loose cannon. He doesn't play by the rules. Uh, but in, like, the yeah, worst, yeah. in, like, a not-sexy cough way, like, in the worst way possible. Right, yeah, he's a little, he's a little unhinged. He's a little, he's a little unwound. He's, he's a little, little high-strung. Ah, that was the one! Okay, oh. um, wait, so Peter, by, and Josh, actually, because I'm sure you could shed more light into this than I can. So, what, so he was, like, cutting his marionette strings or something? Like, what, what did he mean he was cutting the strings? And then he fell, and he was like, help, I can't get up, don't let me die. Um, I think it has to do with the gut strings that he was using to communicate with him. Oh, okay. But I, I'm not 100%. Honestly, I'm, I'm really deep in the weeds trying to find out if Quick Ben spoke with Perrin. Because I actually think there's a chance he did. I don't but. think he did. I, I may have to move on or resolve to find this. Here, I'll take. Not I'll take. I'll take. Here, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'll take over your your job for a second. Don't don't do an impression. <laughs> I wasn't going to, but now I really wanna. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, okay. All right. So let's. So, so India, let's hop into your your scene you were talking about earlier. Talk, uh, tell me about, about. Tell me about. about I'm. Excuse me. <laughs> tell me about Lauren's fight with the 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 squad. Okay, as yeah. I've dubbed them. So Lauren's sitting there lamenting, feeling sorry about life is what I assume. Just like, hmm. And then so she sees those people and she's like, oh, God, why did she, why did she immediately attack? Why did they, I don't understand the whole, I forget actually. I forget. Well, she, she like regretted it afterwards, right? Cause well, she's she like, was like, I should have used my words. I think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because, well, I mean like she's in a tense situation. Like if anyone found her with the Talata mask, she has to kill them. But I think it was just one of those things where she's been on edge for so many days that like saw people killed people or attempted to. Yeah. Well, I yeah, mean, I granted, think... they, they attacked back. So had they, because as soon as. Well, uh... yeah. I mean, if some crazy lady with a sword starts swinging it at you, you gotta fight back. I know, but Crocus, he used his noggin and he's like, hey, we'll leave. Like we don't have to stay here and they, she was we're like out of here she was like yeah get out and he was like all right and then they, she, they were like okay and they came to a nice conclusion which i think is really i think it says a lot about how useful and convenient crocus is to be on this journey with them like they're there to save him and he ended up saving them i like that thank you and more importantly i'm back in the conversation to put a pin in it i believe quick ben meets with mallet and tattersail to help perrin recover but he is unconscious and i don't know if they've spoken consciously i could be wrong great someone will tell us on reddit yeah anyway I really like this fight scene. Lorne is uh, sick in it, and I like that. So sick. It's the first time I think we see. It's not the first time. I just lo- I just like Otatero swords. So every time they're around, I'm like, yeah, we're doing it. I, so I'm always psyched about. I also I gotta say I've been really like weirdly hyped to see Kruppa do anything that isn't talking. Right. And, yeah. and him being immediately useless because of the sword was great for me. <laughs> and that's like in my mind totally fitting. You know, it's like Kruppa is somewhat all talk and so it's like i mean i don't know it's just nice that it makes somewhat sense to me so i just kind of like that beat yeah now that sword it like cancels out his magic magic yeah okay all right parent sword is like that too that's kind of how and was blessed by upon so it's kind of helped anyway which is funny because earlier when they're traveling there he's like we don't need weapons you fools you big (laughs) idiots and little do they know little do they know all righty so then we see uh, we see the hounds there, but then Anamanda Rake arrives. Who has other names that are what, please? Anamanda Rake, Lord of Moonspawn, Son of Darkness, Knight of Darkness. Okay, so is there really a darkness, or is he just a son of a random darkness? Well, remember, they're like, uh, the Tistiande are uh, born of darkness, and even from the last chapter... Uh, Tool talks about them. They're like not being from this world. They're from the Warren of Dark, Kerald Glane. So they like showed up on the moon, you know, 
so he is like the son of darkness. Okay, yes, that makes sense. Yes, so there there is darkness and he is of it. Okay, cool. And then quickly, um, what is that word? You just, tis, oh, Tisti Andy. Tisti Andy. Yeah. Uh, in my in my audiobook, he says the Tisti Andy E. Andy E. Andy and a e and a e. And then you know what he also says? We say. He says Ganois. Oh, can I just say real quick, I was just browsing the subreddit and someone was complaining specifically about how we say Ganois. So I guess it is Ganois. Me? It's Ganois. Us? Someone was Yes. Yeah. It's Ganois. Ganois. All right. Here, let me give a shout out to the guy that was really upset with us. Yeah, we're really sorry. Uh, user DOM18. Our bad. Sure, sure. But I just feel like I'm always. Do you, and no, we don't need to get into the pronunciation game. I got so many thoughts. Like we just need to move on. Pronunciation nation. No, this Never is not happen. a new segment. I'm trying to get into. <laughs> I no, I want pronunciation nation to be a thing no. all the time. Anyway, so Josh, we see Animander Rake have this conversation with Shadow Throne, and it's kind of one of the confrontations between the various ascendants who have a stake in the conflict here in Darugistan. What did you think about it? And after. What did you think about Shadow Throne saying that Cotillion is involved, not him? Any any takes? So I think my biggest take was, because I, you know, Ascendants at this point, I feel like are still a pretty loosely defined thing for me. And the, Don't this worry, was they're going to the, stay that way, so. Yeah, this was one of the moments that I like, I, this, you know, we get to see two of them. And my first thought was, oh, like, are they all of a similar power? Does, is there, are there some, like, because I was thinking about it, and, like, what we know of the one is that he's, like, the warren of shadows and commands these, like, sick hounds and has an assassin god. And the other one has a sword that is literally an entire warren of magic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if these—and then I was like, first off, want to see these two fight. That'd be sick. Second thought was, is this, like, some shit where, like, if they fight, like, the, the landscape gets leveled and, like, so we avoid ascendance fighting at all time? Because someone in an earlier chapter mentioned that, like, their plan was to bring ascendance into the— battle as a way to maybe like you know stall the malazan empire or something and i was like is it because they will literally just level shit like very interested in knowing their power levels yes i recall who i do not recall who was speaking about it but they were speaking about trying to bring more ascendance to daruja stand yes specifically who is having that conversation eludes me yeah while we're on the topic can we um can you actually unpack that for me as in who is cotillion and uh shadow throne has dogs cotillion is the rope the assassin of high house shadow they did call him the rope that's his thing um so he's been around before and you'll remember he's he is the one who's been possessing sorry uh-huh so he works with Shadow Throne, and uh, you remember they were together in the Fushing Village at the very beginning, right? So then Anamanda Rake is like, yo, you need to not be messing with us. And he's like, Shadow Throne's like, it's not me, it's Cotillion, but he'll get out of here too. So then Cotillion bounces, and uh, Sari doesn't remember where she's been, right, at the end of the chapter. You know what's so funny is that that literally, that whole thing, like, that is three events that all make up one big thing. Like, that happened, then this happened, then that happened. But if you didn't tell me that, those would have been two complete unrelated events this whole time. There you go. Wow, a light bulb went off. Oh, my God. Cotillion and Shadow Person are boys. They hang out. They ride horses together. They are boys, that's for sure. And Amanda Rake, which I found out I think is two. And Amanda and then Rake. Yeah. Two names. Correct. Um, amazing. He's, he seems like a like a pretty cool guy. I th- like, he's, he's chill. But is he? Because he literally does that. He doesn't kill people. He just makes them live in eternal suffering. Well, that is so, it's true. It's that is it's pretty goth in some way. That is true. I when I when I read, well, I'll wait for Josh for the. No, I, Josh took a phone call. He can go stuff it. We're bro- we're Peter and India hour as far as it I'm is concerned. the the PB and J section. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he touches the blood, and then out of nowhere, he's in another place. Let me tell you, reading that, like, hearing that in audiobook was like, let me let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go back. Because I was like, <laughs> what? You can't just be one place and then be somewhere else. But he was. Um, I remember, so he's in there. I remember being so stoked when it first happened. Although it's somewhat confusing because he tra- gets there via blood. I just, yeah, I know. Um, 
I just remember learning like, oh my god, the sword is a warren. That is the coolest fucking thing that there could be. I, and that, but also the fact that, like, they, like, when they're talking, Shadow Thorn's like, ah, oh, so there's no chance that my dogs won't be in eternal hell. And he's like, yeah, no. And I was like, what does that mean? And then they take you there. Yeah, they're like, oh, here's the eternal suffering. I was like, oh my. But, um, why do you think that Perrin had that, like, I don't, like, what, did he have, like, a change of, like, he had beef with that cute little dog. Yeah, I, maybe we should. Why was maybe- he, like, Maybe we should wait for Josh. Josh is really taking a longer time than I thought he would. Um, yeah, we're really unpacking this. Um, well, let's... Okay. Hmm. 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 Really at a crossroads. But, I know. We'll just wait. We'll just wait. But it was it, it was sad, and I really do hope that those dogs are a better place now. He didn't have to do that. He hmm. could have killed one. He could have He could have killed one. Or he could have just not. He was like, <laughs> he was like, I'm a patient guy, but don't fuck with me. And then boom. Yeah. What else did I want to ask about in this moment? Okay, so... Tisty and D.E. Yeah, it's so... I, I, I guess I'll have to go back and listen. So there's two, currently, that we talked to. Uh, there's pretty much one. Who's the other one you're thinking of? Who's, what is Tool? Tool's uh, Talani Mass. He's one of the oh, undead people. Fuck. Right, 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 right. I got those names mixed up. Okay. So what's the difference? The Talani Mass are an ancient people of this world. Do you know what I mean? And they like... Current world. Yeah, they pretty much used to be humans, and then they became skeletons because they wanted to be forever warriors. Do you know what I mean? So they yes, could yes, kill yes, the yes, Jagut. Yes, yes. So it's like they became undead in their pursuit of conquest. Do you know what I mean? That was so short-sighted. It was. Yeah, it was, the long con was not there. <laughs> I mean, I guess in some way, because they've been able to live forever, but I don't know. But like, don't they just like... It's like they didn't retuck Everlasting. The ground? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, what do you no. have to live for? Anyway. And then the... It's like I was saying... Uh, Josh Sim was back. Um, it's like I was saying earlier, like uh, Tool talks about it. The Tisty Andy are like from another world, essentially. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Yes. So like they're from the Warren of Dark... Do you know how like when they go to... When like you... You know how like when they go to the Imperial Warren, they're just like using it to travel and it's just an empty world no one lives in? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the the Tisty Andy used to live in the Warren of Darkness, but now they don't. You know, they like came over on their moon and it was like, here's the 50 of us. We're done or whatever. You know, I think there's more than 50. But so there's there's very few. They're like they're uh, they're aliens, immigrants to this world. OK. And they left because they're Princess Moon Mama, right? Yeah, they had a beef with their mom. Yeah, and they were like, and mom was like, guys, you're not satisfying me. I want humans, right? Was that what it was? Basically, their mom, uh, like, gave birth to another race of people, and they were like, yeah. see ya, we're never coming back. <laughs> Fuck you, mom. <laughs> see ya, mom. Um, and then they all left. Yeah, so, like, she gave birth to this other race, and uh, they're, a, they're a big deal, as you could imagine, so. Yeah, and so then that's, okay. Uh, don't worry, in the span of the next nine very big books, we will get a chance to meet some of the other race of people. That's, that's really exciting. I was wondering why they were setting us up for a random <laughs> extra race of people. Yeah, so there's Plenty. If you were hoping there could be more races for you to keep track of, don't worry, Inge. Yeah, I was. I was really. But the Tisty and De and the Talani Mass, those really got me. I truly thought they were the same people the whole time. Nah, nah, nah. Don't worry though, because like they're probably two of the most important races. Do you know what I mean? So with that said, then this Jag Cut Tyrant. Um, sure. Who? So the the Tisty Andy mm-hmm. or the Talani Mass can kill him. Or enslave him, enslave him. Well, so basically, he, basically, he's like super, super powerful, much more than these humans are. So all right. the humans are like, well, I don't know. Maybe one of these other people will be able to do it. Not us. You know what I mean? Yes. Right. But they're worried because the Jagat's so powerful and he like enslaves people. So he's like, well, if he enslaves everyone, the world's forever fucked. Do you know what I mean? Correct. And so is, is what's her name? Lorne. Is her little conflict like oh my god like you guys made yourself bone people and we're gonna make ourselves slaves forever or is that not her is that not her gripe i think her gripe is more like an existential one she's like wow you like almost what you're saying is like you guys gave up your lives for this eternal conquest how how are humans that much different you know what i mean like she's the in this arm well because they are too aren't they yeah like the empire is similar in this way that there's this forever thirst for more you know and they would like accept they would choose being potentially enslaved over they wouldn't they, they wouldn't choose they're not looking to get enslaved right but they but they know that's an option right they they know that's a possibility don't they 
Well, yeah, but that's because they're like Lacine is is like she's making a big play. You know, she's like screw the consequences. I'm gonna make this pl- choice. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. That's the choice. Yeah, but it's like she's betting on that she's not going to get conquered. She just is like playing with fire. Do you know what I mean? And then when Tool or Lauren says in like response, like, oh, she has some big enemies. What are the en- Who are the enemies that she's talking about? Uh, Lacine? Is that who? Lacine's enemies are like Anna Amanda Rake and the city of Durujistan. Do you know what I mean? Like Anna Amanda Rake has, this, has a whole beef with the Empire. Oh, and that's why Perrin's like, oh, I don't even know if I don't like him anymore. Like, why is he my beef? Exactly. So he's like, he's like, oh, well, this dude, this dude helped me out. And I don't know if I want to be his enemy. He seems like. And then he's like, I don't want any enemies. I'm just trying to live. Yeah. Perrin's like this. I, yeah. Perrin's a a little confused here when he meets Anamander. See, that's the thing. Everybody's getting confused. Yeah. You know, Peter, honestly, we're unpacking this chapter so well. I feel so enlightened. I, I agree. I think we're having a great conversation. And, uh, oh, Josh, oh, and Josh back is back. Shortly. Let me just say, when a parent starts off, you know, I thought about emailing you, but it just seemed, no, it is not easier for you to call me at 7 p.m. at night. What the fuck? Well, Josh, me and India had a lengthy conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did you record stuff while I was gone? That's sick. If so, I don't know how much is going to end up in there. But let okay. me throw you this question: We started to talk <laughs> a little bit about the Warren inside Dragnipper and yeah. and the hounds in it. <laughs> what do you? Uh, what did you think? Uh, India was curious about what what kind of led to Perrin's mindset in the Warren and why maybe he tried to free the dog and all these all these choices he makes in there. I have no fucking clue. But wasn't because- it beautiful? It was beautiful, but the entire time, I was like, Perrin, these dogs have tried two times to kill you and those around you. And what what the fuck? It made no sense. I was pretty upset with him. Josh, we are having a very, very different mindset here because those dogs, they were just doing what they were told. It well, is- uh, well, they were doing what they were told when they killed Hairlock, and then they were like, round two, and Animator Rake was like, if you round two, I will send some of you to my eternal pulling hell, and they were like, ah, what the fuck ever. They're just dogs. They are fully conscious, cognizant creatures. And they were also that while they were being tortured in eternal hell, pulling a wagon. As was everyone they there. didn't know why they were pulling. I'm sorry, just because they're good, good boys doesn't mean that they get a pass. They are such good boys. Such they- good boys. I guess, I mean, clearly it's, it, clearly India's a sucker for a puppy, but I guess I'm curious. So is Perrin because he called them beautiful beasts. I'm just saying. Uh, listen, I have I, I I get freeing them. I but I would be curious to see like other people were pulling it. Do you know what I mean? So like, yeah, if, and he even talked to one. Yeah, he did have a whole conversation with the mysterious stranger. I'm so so curious about that. Oh my god. Yeah, mysterious stranger. But then he's like, but I don't know. This guy could have been a a tyrant. It's true. I have yeah. I've got to know. But like, was he? Like, who knows? Maybe, maybe Anamander Rake had an off day, and he just said bye. Yeah. The question would really come down to who are these people, and do you believe in Anamander Rake's justice? And that, who is he to make oh. that decision? Here, okay. And I oh, here's my other thing: is people change, in particular Anamander Rake, right? Like, I imagine he's changed over the years, but he, he does did live explicit- forever. <laughs> He did explicitly state that, like, there's, once you're in, like, that's it. So does that mean, like, when he was, like, 13, if he just, like, got pissed at someone and <laughs> killed them, he can't get them out? Or does he mean that, like, in order for his justice to maintain the, like, the standards, he can never let himself take somebody out? Mm. Thoughts, Peter? I mean, I-, I do hear what you're saying, that you probably think morally Anamanda Rake could have changed from when he first acquired Dragnipur until the present day. And perhaps um, he may Made some rash judgments in in his earlier days of having a sword. Yeah, I don't know. Well, if I may, please. Um, I don't have a strong answer, so please, it, please take it. Well, like Perrin, Perrin, Perrin. Ganois. Yeah, Ganois. Um, he brought in that luck guy, Opan. Opan. Opan, and he was like, "Get him out now." Free. And he was f- like, "Free of war of Opan's control." 
And he was like, I can't. And he was like, do it. Just freaking do it. And then he's like, all right. And then, you know, we don't know if he was able to or not, but if he was. But he wakes up and all the corpses are gone, you know. I know, but you know what? I, I, I just really hope he did. But if he did, then I guess there is a way to get him out, people out. Yeah. That's well, my take. Well, wait, but isn't there something? Sorry, Peter. Isn't there like a Warren inside the Warren? Uh, what do you mean? And that's where all the chains are. Like all the chains are in something else. Yeah, that was confusing as all hell. Yeah, the the chains lead to somewhere, come from somewhere. Right, and he was like, I can't get it off. So I don't know. I, uh, this was too much, uh, again, as always, big too chapter, much detail. Big chapter. Yeah. And with Chugging that, right um, the final scene we see is kind of sorry, standing on a hilltop, coming to her senses, and thinking about her uh, the last memory being from an Itkokan fishing village. India, thoughts about this, uh, picking up with a kind of hazy sorry. Oh my goodness. Sorry, as always, my favorite character. Always, always something new <laughs> with sorry. Something's always going on with sorry. Sorry, not sorry. So, Sorry, coming to as whoever she was before. I don't even know if we knew her name. We was don't. Really, yeah, we don't. We don't. And neither does she. I thought it was crazy because first she had come to kill Crocus and now she's like rolling up like, I don't even know who I am. Where am I? Help. Um, but as you helped me to understand when they decided that Cotillion, they were like, and Amanda Rake was like, hey, stop messing around out there. And Cotillion was like, all right, fine, backing off. And then now Sari has her memory gone for, for, in her, for, for I guess this she whole timeline. Yeah, she has her, her whole mind back, you know. I'm just intrigued to see, I don't know, like what she remembers, if she ever remembers anything or just to find out who she is because she seems like kind of a little bitch. <laughs> what? Um, agreed, agreed. What What led you to that? What are we doing? Well, I say that because she's like, oh, help me. I'm sorry. And before she was like such a stone cold fox. And now, but I do want to say, and I want to make it very clear. And I want to say it loud and proud. I told you guys in one of my predictions that Crocus and Sorry were going to be an item. And all I'm saying is that it's looking like that's I believe you said Perrin and Sorry would be an item. That is true. In your first ever guess. Are you, are you, what about later on when Crocus? I do think, I, I don't know. India's definitely thrown a lot of romance based guesses, so we may have for to check the tape. Specifically and get back for to Sorry, it. yeah. If I did, which I feel like I did, yeah. But um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm I excited to see. I mean, is she from anywhere near Darujistan at all? Because she seems it's like, very... it's like, they mentioned it. Isn't it like super far away? Super far away. Itko Khan is near the imperial capital, which is right. not that's, near that's here. another continent, isn't it? Yeah, there's oceans between. Damn. Um, yeah. But speaking of predictions, um, there's a prediction I wanted to talk about in the next chapter. So uh, let's talk more about Sari and predictions in chapter 16. Chapter 16. Lorne returns to Tool. The two prepare to enter the Talon Warren and free the Jagat Tyrant. Crocus and the Fisher Girl from Itko Khan ride towards Darugistan. She struggles to remember who she is. Crocus jokingly suggests the name of the Lady of Thieves, Apsilar. She decides to use this as her name. Kruppa and Marilio follow after Crocus, leaving Cole in camp to recover with his wounds. Kruppa feels safe in his assumption that the Malazans are looking for the barrow of the Jagat Tyrant. Perrin heads towards the city, encountering some of the Rivi people. A young woman hints at the reunion with someone he thought was dead. Then the native people travel towards Caladan Brood. Perrin continues towards the city and meets up with Cole. They're strangers at first, but commiserate about their pasts. Perrin speaks about being a Malazan captain who has worked with the Claw. Cole speaks of his past as once a nobleman in the city, arranged for marriage and on a path towards wealth. However, his heart led him elsewhere to the woman who had become the Lady Simtal. She betrayed him, and he lost his titles and estate. Now he lives an unknown life at the Phoenix Inn. We can get to the end in a second, but before we did, I just wanted to share something that I noticed when I was rereading it, and I I guess I can share it to the two of you now, because it's not particularly spoiling going to be the rest of the book, but I noticed in Chapter 2 that the first thing... Sorry says is in the entire book is I'm sorry 
uh, and uh, she's like apologizing to the soldiers who are going to later uh, like strike down the wax witch so I just thought it was kind of you know I think it's a little nod by Erickson I thought it was fun so the two of you when you're rereading this five years from now can take take note of that and and she also when she says I'm sorry to Crocus that's when she's like oh or he says I'm sorry to her and she's like oh that was my name sorry yeah And Josh, but now she uh, she decides to take the name Absalar, yes. the Lady of Thieves. So she's what do you got th- another name? What do you th- another name? What do you think about uh, Sorry now that she's kind of coming back to her wits? Well, number one, as India pointed out, bit of a bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, because she's like, you know, Crocus is like, oh well, there's Absalar, and she's like, oh, and he's like, well, that's the name of you know the Lady of Thieves, like a god. How about we change it? And she's like, no, my name is Absalar, and it's like, all right, well, you've she's, been she's taking possessed. a strong she's taking a strong stance. She was taking strong stances two chapters ago. What changed? Yeah, I know, which just makes me think that this is gonna lead to her becoming some bullshit intertwined with the Lady of Thieves or something. It's gonna be a whole thing. Mm. He's calling it now. He's calling it. Crocus now. is um as a lad of thieves, so you know when they get married. <sighs> I do not know what you're implying. You so, know. so India. T- oh, you're just implying that they're gonna get married. I just feel like there's gonna be some kind of romance. I'm calling they're gonna, it now. Listen, they're gonna fuck. There's no two ways about it. That's right, India. Peep. Now, India. Let's now hold on. No, all right. I'm gonna I'm, take us on a trip. I'm, I'm okay, asking, we're gonna go to India. My, I, India, we're, we're taking a trip to the bone zone. No, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm changing the subject. (laughs) Hit me with it. The adjunct Lorne and Tool head off to free the Jagat Tyrant. I know it's not the end of the podcast, but do you want to hazard a guess on how this uh, Jagat Tyrant situation is going to pan out for them? That's hella stressful because I feel like these books, as you guys frequently mention, they have like a kind of... uh, thing that happens like like you can kind of call certain situations and i feel like this might be one of them or maybe it really isn't but i have no idea i feel like i i don't know how i there's 10 books so you know he can't enslave everyone or he can i don't know Mm. so i've i there's no there's nothing coming from me i have no prediction i wish i did but i would i just don't know do you think it's a good idea you know what uh uh, we could try anything once you know we'll see what happens <laughs> well, I, I, that's I'm, what people, I'm glad that's you're what people say before they do like shrooms. Yeah. India. Not like <laughs> not unleashing a like borderline immortal evil onto the world. Alrighty, Josh. Before I ask you about the final section, I just wanted to. to Josh deserves his first kudos. Whatever we're gonna hand out when someone calls the shot. So, Josh, I don't know if you remember, like, two, three episodes ago, when we first meet the Lady Simtal, she's talking about how she stole someone's money. And then in the podcast, while recording it, you were like, oh, did he, did she steal Cole's money? Is that who Cole is? And I was like, I have no memory. So, if you're correct, then you've surprised me as well. And you were correct. Josh from downtown, big money, three points from the chalk, in the end zone, botched it a little bit. So, Josh, what do you think about learning more about Cole and uh, his uh, kind of past as a nobleman? Well, I mean, considering when we met him, he literally was like a joke. Like, he literally was, he was at the end of a chapter, like, mentioned that he's a drunk. It's, like, pretty wild that he's his backstory is so intertwined. And my real hope is because it's like, uh, we've met several people in the council, and I think they're all human garbage. So I can only hope that Cole manages to, like, win back some support and, like, lead a revolt against them or some bullshit. Hmm. And maybe strike a peace with the Malazan Empire? Who knows? Who knows? Whoa. That's a big that's a big shot for me. We'll see how it pans out. India, any thoughts on these two ships passing in the night? Uh what ships? Met- metaphor metaphorical ships, Inge. <laughs> Meta- metaphorical ships. <laughs> oh, the guys, those two guys meeting, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I feel really bad for Cole, actually. His story was really sad. Um and the fact that like all of his friends didn't even stand by him was so shitty, man. You know, and they and yeah, but he needs to like you know pull his shit together, snakes. go home. Snakes. They are snakes. They are. Can't trust no one. That's exactly um, right. But I don't know. Like, are him and he's with Perrin, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Maybe they're just gonna go together back home to Jerugistan and fuck shit up. How they're going to fuck it up? I don't know. Will they be boys? Maybe. They seem like they have a lot in common. Mm. Except, mm. however, it seems that, um, I don't know. But I speaking know. of Perrin, before... Uh, be- <gasps> yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> I wanted to ask, assumingly, what you were gasping about, about his encounter with the young woman in the Rivy Rivies. Yes, he saw his lady, Tattersail, baby-sized. Yeah. Mm. Very young. Five years old. Very young Rivy Tattersail. Josh? Perfect English. Inge, what do you think? Either of you. Loved it. I'm, Lived for I, it. It was great. I mean, I I have a lot of questions. Because do, didn't they, like, insinuate that she's, like, going to rapidly age? Until she's an adult or something? Yeah. Well, isn't she rapidly aging? She's already five. (laughs) Yeah, she's like already a child. Yeah, and she was born, what, like four days ago or some bullshit? (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember when Kruppa had that dream, but it wasn't five years ago, so that's I mean, my question is how long before she's like back to a full-grown adult and parents like, well, this is, I don't know what's about this. Also, I got a lot of questions about the Rivi. They seem sick. They do, but I mean, they also seem a little uncivilized. Well, they did try and kill Perrin, but I think it was really a test. Maybe they knew they needed to find one touched by Opon. Mm. That's the thing I just thought of right now, and I think I could be right. I just like that they're always traveling with the herd of Bedouin. Do you know I mean it's like, oh, we're just chilling out here with our buffalo friends? I love yeah. that, and there's so many of them. Yeah. So many. They just love and, them. And then the herd walks away, and the people are gone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Why? How do they just disappear like that? They're just... They're just, uh, they're traveling they're on the planes. They're planes people. They had to go meet with Caladan Brood. So they did say, like, whoever that old lady was, was like, who are your enemies? And he was like, I don't really want any. And she was like, true, you can stay. You're a good guy. Mm-hmm. Who who said that he was a, like, why did they think he was a bad guy? Because he's part of the Malazans. Oh, that was it? There was no, I thought it was specific to him. I, I would imagine it's because he's kind of dressed like a Malazan and Malazans are yeah, of okay. dubious morality, yeah. in my opinion. Well, so. you know what? He's really finding himself slowly but surely. He is becoming the man that he lost a long time ago. He's a young man finding his way in the world. That's right. That is right. But um, yeah, no, that scene was sick and I loved it. And that is a first because I hate this entire book. But these chapters <laughs> were kind of lit. <laughs> I do. I, I listen, Inge. And uh, we we talked this weekend because you dropped by my house, and uh, you keep saying these things where like I hate this book and I hate reading it, and then just like we'll go through the bullet point summary, and you're like, well, I did like that, and I did like that, and I did like, and I know the the <laughs> I don't know. It's just there's a funny juxtaposition. I'm sure you know because you have your opinion, but it's just no, Peter. Hear me out. At the start, I come into this conversation, and I'm like, okay, so I listened to some words. They all, they all, none of them really made sense and they all mean something, but I and can't put together the pieces. And then we chat and then everything falls into place and it's like, oh, that actually is a good story. <laughs> the story is good. The story is coherent for you. Yes, that's the word, I guess. So yeah, so you know what? I gotta say, this was the best book yet. You heard the it best first. one yet. You hear that, Josh? I mean, you said you were hyped for Gadrobi Hills, and I, I, it paid off. It, it actually did. I mean, I didn't get the satisfaction I was looking for, but as in like they nothing like when I first thought about this, I, and what I was gonna say to you guys first was nothing happened in any of these chapters. But then a lot of little things happened, like and some not so little. All the yeah. pieces are falling together. We are getting closer and closer to the end. It's true. Everyone is nearing Darujistan. Again. Going into the penultimate book of Gardens of the Moon, did you have any big guesses about what's going to happen when all these forces finally come together inside well, the city? So this Darujistan is like it has like the natural gas, right, for like the lighting of torches. Yeah, from under the city. Um, I'm gonna my sh- called shot is that the next book is entitled The City of Blue Fire, and I think the Malazans are gonna fuck up and realize they shouldn't use the explosives, and then they're going to destroy the city. Interesting. I think they're gonna like blow up the natural gas. India, do you have any hot? But I think, but I'll wait. But I think, I think in the moment, like the moment before that happens, I think they're gonna be like, so it's decided. We helped Daruchistan. Mm. City explodes. Mm. India, any takes? That's fucked up. Um, <laughs> jo- Josh's yes. prediction's fucked up. Yeah, I really hope that doesn't happen. I'm hoping, like, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, though, because why else would it be, cat like, titled that? But let's just say we get back. Are we all headed back? Even, like, oh, yeah, no, we are all headed back. We're all headed back. Okay. The yeah. only people not headed back are Lorne and Tool, who are yeah, going to unleash the Jagat Tyrant. That's where they're yeah. headed. Yeah, they're they're dumb as fuck. Um, Preach. So, okay, yeah, you know what? Josh's prediction seems pretty good, but just in the art of 
competition. I'm going to say that it's it's we're going to get real close to blowing up and then we are not going to. Mm. Because oh, be, subverting expectations. Yeah, I believe we're all going to be fine. It's going to get real real close and then freaking I don't know, someone's going to come and be like, "Everyone, wait. I know this. So don't do that." And they're all going to be like, "Okay, let's do something else." And mm. then maybe and I don't know what's going to happen after that. Well, I guess we're going to have to see. I can't wait. She can't wait. You heard it here first. I'm excited. And so, I'm even more excited for the small chapters coming up. Yeah, <laughs> chapter, yeah, book six is like, is a is minuscule. Pretty yeah. Hype, pretty hype. And well, that just because book seven is a monster. Yeah, book, yeah, yeah, book seven is going to be a good one. So I'm excited for it. Anyway, for next episode, we're going to read chapters 17, 18, and 19 in book six, The City of Blue Fire. As always, we're on 10 Very Big Books on Twitter and at Gmail. Send us a message about uh, what you think about the show or or uh, any thoughts about Gardens of the Moon. We'd love to hear them. Thanks, uh, thanks again, of course, for listening, and uh, we'll tag in when the next episode's coming out. So we'll uh, we'll see you soon, unless uh, unless I'm missing something. Did you tell them where to find us? I, I did tell them. Did you talk about our music? AJ, did you AJ's tell them we were dropping them. a mixtape? Got it. You're right. You're right. Oh, are you dropping a mixtape? <laughs> no. That'd, that'd, that'd be, be big. Funny. It would be a choice to announce it on this podcast. So it would yeah. be. Alrighty. Well, that's that then. Um, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. We love you. <laughs>Hello, everyone. Producer AJ here. As always, we want to thank you for the continued support every day. Uh, there are more and more people listening to the show, which is just so awesome. Uh, we, of course, also want to thank Dan Gesrick for making our wonderful logo. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Gesrick for the hottest Boban Marjanovic takes. And, of course, all the music from the show comes from Amaranthin's album Simulant Rain, which you can find on Bandcamp. Links to their pages will be in the show notes. And 10 Very Big Books will be back in two weeks on July 19th. Thank you, as always for listening.